0: everyone. Welcome back to the Practicology Podcast. This is episode 71 and we're so happy to be joined by Josh Smith once again. Josh was with us a couple episodes ago to introduce us to the subject of anxiety. I think he called it getting our feet wet and we were reminded then that it is a pervasive problem and thus uh, we shouldn't feel a stigma if we ourselves struggle with anxiety. And and so Josh is with us again and and this time we're going to as he puts it, wade in a little deeper to the problem. And uh, as I hear those words, I'm transported back to the back seat of my parents' car as they would listen to the cathedrals, uh, good old Southern Gospel group about uh, going, I think, a little deeper into the storehouse of his love. Josh, you likely have a much trendier cultural reference there. Did you ever hear the cathedrals growing up or anything?
1: I heard the cathedrals in person once uh, when I was really young, and it was, it was pretty amazing. They did a great job. Um, I can't remember what number that is in the Believer's Hymn book that you're referring to. But, um, <laughs> it's, uh, I appreciate that analogy, though, because that's exactly what we want to do today, right? Got our toes wet, kind of just felt the water a little bit, understanding anxiety. And like you said, maintaining that balance of recognizing how real it is and we talked a lot last time about real people who are dealing with it, without just saying like, "Oh, everyone's got anxiety, right?" Um, and I deal with that a lot of times when students come in my office and they're like, "Oh, I, I'm depressed," and I'm like, "Okay, well, tell me a little bit more about that because you know, depression has like you know, three or four factors that we have to look at, including like, is it affecting your your daily functioning? It's got a time frame on it, and a number of different things like that." So we're also not saying that, you know, everyone is plagued with anxiety or depression, but it's real, right? A lot, of, a lot of people are actually dealing with it. And that's what we want to make people comfortable with is acknowledging that. And then, you know, like we said last time, asking for help too.
0: Yeah, uh, I think I think it's pretty elementary. Um, and it's certainly true in my own life that just admitting and, and being able to identify a problem is, is a huge step forward so it is uh it is a common issue josh and a lot of us have the sense that it's way more common now than it used to be you know i don't know if that's right or not but our it certainly seems to be talked about a lot more Mm -hmm. and uh the little bit of you know statistics i've seen on the subject seems to suggest that it's it's you know much more prevalent than it used to be Mm -hmm. and and i think uh in these next few minutes you're gonna uh help us understand what are the contributing factors of why is it that that anxiety is so prevalent amongst us now
1: yeah and thanks for pointing that out because it is true that while it might be uh you know something that's just popular to say i'm i have anxiety right it's all over social media it's all over the news and uh, schools and everything like that but it is true that there is more anxiety and that's what we're going to look at today um, because there's reasons for it right and um, I, I just thought of this too, if there's anybody listening who wants to do maybe a little more, I would say a deeper read into some of these things, there is a blog, it's a, a Christian blog by uh, many of the people that would be in assembly circles or local church circles that we're associated with. It's called Vine to Branches. Not sure if you've heard of that before.
0: Yes, I have. Yeah. And I'm happy that you're mentioning it.
1: So there's, uh, there's a little piece we did in there on suicide in the local church, and it does a good job of kind of balancing out what we're talking about, where it gives, I found it fascinating to read the experiences of Christians that we rub shoulders with, and of course the names are not included, but people who, they tell their story of how dark it got and how difficult it was. And it makes it more real. And uh, it's, it's just called Suicide Risk in the Christian Church. It's on the Vine to Branches blog. And if you want to go check that out, it's hopefully a benefit, right? And it, it talks about many of the same things that we're talking about in these podcasts, too.
0: Sounds good, Josh. Thanks for pointing that, uh, us to that. And uh, I'll try to put a link in the show notes for that. So uh, talk to us now, then, about what is it in our society, say, that's contributing to all this anxiety?
1: Yeah, thanks for that question. So we're wading into the problem. So we're looking at why is it? Why are people experiencing these things? And some of these things are going to be very obvious, and you're going to say, "Oh, I knew that already." And maybe some of them might make you think a little bit as a as a listener, right? So the first one I want to point out is, and we're we're approaching this again from a biblical standpoint, from a scriptural standpoint. But this one's going to be just strictly practical, okay? And that's just going to be electricity, right? So I think we all know that we, uh, when we're not rested, we're more anxious. And if you think about 200, 300, 400 years ago and before, um, when did people go to bed? They usually went to bed when it got dark, right? Mm -hmm. They had candles, they had torches and ways of, of lighting things. But generally speaking, when it got dark, people went to bed and When it became light, people woke up. And so now we have electricity, which is very useful, and lights, turn on the light when it gets dark and stay up late, televisions, there's uh, computers and the internet and our smartphones. And I think we would all have to admit that we're probably staying up a lot. I guess we're getting less sleep than we should. And we're honestly not as rested as we should be. God and his beautiful design of humanity and the human body designed us to need rest, right? And that's, of course, one of the important reasons that he he instituted the Sabbath was to make us rest because we need it. Um, And so many times I find myself, in fact, I'm looking at my watch right now. I'm looking at five hours and 20 minutes of sleep last night. That's probably not enough, right? And you do that enough times And suddenly, the smallest things are causing you the greatest issues, right? And so, if we take the time to rest more, that would be a good thing. Would you? Does that make sense? Totally,
0: Josh. And as you were talking, I was just thinking, you know, uh, again, from a theological standpoint, another way to talk about that then would be that that our relationship with creation isn't as it should be. You know, you're, you talked about years before electricity, mm-hmm. people's uh, daily cycles were very much synchronized with the realities of creation. Mm-hmm. And you kind of go to bed when creation goes to bed in a way, mm-hmm. right? And and uh, so electricity enables us to overcome some more of our limits as, as human creatures. But in doing so, when, when we try to maximize and burn the, well, I shouldn't say burn the candle on both ends, but have the electronic screens on both ends and have the lights on both ends that, that uh, yeah, are, mm-hmm. we're not as situated in, in the environment God has given us where mm-hmm. the, the relationship mm-hmm. that we're meant to have with creation is, is maybe not quite as it should be.
1: Yeah, so again, it's a practical point, right? There's no, it, there is some theology to it, maybe, maybe even more depth than we're describing now, but there, there is a, a sense in which we need to rest more. And technology, electricity has made it possible for us to not rest as much as we should. Um, so I would say that's a piece of the puzzle, right? Maybe a small piece. And, and Josh, and
0: Josh, as you're going through these reasons, I mean, let me just state the obvious that, that all of these become opportunities to help us with our anxiety then, right? I mean, we're not only yeah. going through the causes of it, but as we learn these causes, we yeah. can Begin to make changes that, that are small things, but yeah, just shutting the lights off a little earlier, going to bed. Yeah, um, more.
1: rest more. Yeah. If you're listening to this podcast and it's past midnight, turn it off, listen to it in the morning and go to bed, right? Um, unless you're working night shift or something, but I've heard this and read this in many places too, that one of the most uh, practical ways we can demonstrate our faith in God is to rest and to be at peace and go to, go to sleep, right? Allow God to be God and realize that we're not. So that's one thing. I would, I would also say that reason number two, second piece of the puzzle, is an obvious one, but it should be discussed again, is that we have taken God out of our culture and out of our society in the West. Historically, that has not been the case, but now it is, it is definitely more prevalent than ever before. And not to sound like a broken record, like I'm sure our parents said the same thing and our grandparents said the same thing before them, but it is becoming more prevalent that we have removed God out of society. We were discussing last week, before we made the podcast, about an amazing book um, by Carl Truman, where he discusses a lot of these things. And we look at it today and go, what a shock that God has removed out of our society. And he goes through and he traces down through the past, you know, 100, 150 years. And it's really not a shock. It's been a slow fade away from God. And we're realizing it now more than ever. Uh, The culture has shifted to the you know, a general belief in evolution. And if there is no God in society, then there is no foundation. So it's like that verse in Psalm 11 that talks about the foundations being removed. We take God out of society, where's the foundation? And what is the meaning of life? What is the purpose? Where are we going? What are we doing? It suddenly becomes more meaningless. Now think about this, right? Let's go back to like the 1950s or 60s. And I know a lot of us weren't alive back then. But you know that thinking about previous generations, even if many of those people were not Christians in the, in the sense of like following Christ and, and going to church maybe, and they weren't saved, generally speaking, they still grew up going to Sunday school. They still grew up going to church. They still had a respect for God. Even if they weren't Christians, if someone was were to pray, they would stop and they would be respectful and take their hat off or... Um, you know, reverence, things like that, and and respect going to church, even if they weren't practicing because they grew up in it. And we're just now coming into the generations where that's not the case. People, many people have never experienced what a local church is like and don't have that same level of respect and understanding. So again, we have to think about those things, right? From a cultural <laughs> standpoint, um, when we take God out of society, then it suddenly becomes this insecure unstable unstable um directionless existence which i mean that that's about as out of control and anxious as you can be does that does that also kind of make sense
0: yeah yeah and, and this is i think uh, part of the value of having you as a christian counselor on is you know i'm not sure how many secular counselors would have that right up at the top of their list but as Christians, uh, we're able to see that perspective. And yes, the absence of God in our society is a huge thing. And, and, and I was thinking, Josh, as you talked there, like probably a lot of people would say, well, no, if we take God out of society and out of our thoughts, then our anxiety will go away, you know, because now we don't have to answer to him and we don't need to experience guilt and so on. But I think that the truth is the opposite, as you're saying. Mm-hmm. If, if we take God mm-hmm. out of society, then suddenly, you and I are called to be God, right? Like, yeah. And I don't have omniscience and all wisdom and all power to control things, right? And so it's, it's incredibly, uh, uh, I think it's a powerful, powerful source of anxiety in our lives when, mm-hmm. when we put the burden, the divine burden on our very, very finite
1: shoulders. That is, a, that is an excellent segue into the next thing that I want to talk about, because we're not God. We can't be, um, and obviously we're not, right? We shouldn't be. We weren't created to be able to handle that kind of pressure. I'd like to say too, because you gave me the perfect segue into the next one. We talked about uh, taking God out of society, and we also talked about electricity. Here's the third one, third piece of the puzzle that is absolutely prevalent is social media. Um, no surprises here, again, for anybody who's listening. Social media raises anxiety. Um, If you look at the research, I think it was either 2007 or 2009, I could go look it up, but when the iPhone hit the market, and it is a, uh, I know that the parallels don't necessarily mean it's causation, but there is a correlation there where the more sales there were with the iPhone, the higher amounts of anxiety there were among teenagers and adolescents and people who were buying them. So a big part of that is social media. And we talk about Facebook, which I know is not popular anymore um, among the younger audience. But we talk about uh, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, whatever it is that you use. Um, those are creating a sense of anxiety. And I'd like to try and explain why. Hopefully, hopefully this makes sense. And please jump in if, if you have any questions. Um, so the first one is, uh, as you mentioned, God is all-powerful, all-knowing. And all present, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if I were to take my phone, I've got my phone right here, and I go to social media, I can be all present. I can be looking at things that are happening in Ukraine and in Russia and the United States and in Canada and on and on, right? I can look at these things. I can look at people that I know who might be in some of these places and suddenly, unconsciously even, I'm I have this sense in which I'm all present all over the world. This has never happened before the invention of iPhones and social media, like in the same way, right? Um, There's a sense in which all of a sudden we have this all present sense. And also it's all present. Like any time of the day, I could get on my phone at 2am and suddenly be present in all these environments and situations and
0: yeah, yeah, all present and and a sense that I'm all knowing too because I yes. can maybe Google things and and yeah. read lots of headlines and
1: stuff. All knowing, even in people's lives, so they put something on Facebook like, "Hey, I had a rough day. I, you know, I I got a new job. It's stressful right now." Or pray for my my kid who's got his first baseball game tonight. And we start knowing all these things that typically, you know, it, it's a lot. I, we it's all it's a sense of like being all knowing into people's situations and. World events, like you said, and things like that. But there's also the sense of that all-powerfulness. Because let's say somebody says, uh, please pray for me. I had a bad day. And then we can get on our phones and we can, we can type uh, an encouragement. Or, hey, I'm there for you. Or give me a call. And we feel almost empowered sometimes, and in a positive sense, it's a good thing, to change their, their problem, their predicament, their issue for the better. And we start to, again, maybe even unconsciously begin to feel a sense of this power or even I've talked with a lot of students who are like, they feel the responsibility to someone had a bad day. I've got to encourage them. Like we've got to reach out. We've got to try. And so when you think about that, all present, all knowing, all powerful, like you had mentioned earlier, that is too much. And another way of stating that I'm anxious is I am overwhelmed. I read recently that um, you know how again we'll we'll date ourselves go back to like the 50s or whatever, and the the husband would come home from work, and he'd take a newspaper and sit down and read it, and we read somewhere in the equivalent of 60 to 70 newspapers a day Hmm. on our phones. Now we're we're not soaking all that in. It's not like a slow read, but we're we're reading so much, it's overwhelming. So that's where the social media piece piece of the puzzle comes into play we start talking about um, that that overwhelming sense where we were not designed to handle that much information. So that's why, again, if we look at it from the flip side, it's important to, to manage our time on our phones, to put some limits in place, uh, self-monitor, be self-disciplined, have some accountability, you know, realize our, our limits and what we can take in, uh, through our, through our social media and through our smartphones.
0: Yeah, you've totally convinced me, uh, Josh. And uh, I, I know that some of our <laughs> younger listeners may think this is absolutely unthinkable. But uh, a big thing for me was just deleting a lot of the apps off my phone. Like if I want to check Twitter, I have to go into my computer, which I try, you know, maybe do once a day or something like that. But it just means that I'm not pulling, pulling, pulling on on these different apps to see the latest and the greatest and the newest and
1: well, and, and
0: so on of everything, you know, and
1: it's become, it's become like, so normal to, if you get on an elevator or you're sitting in a coffee shop and, and if you're just sitting there by yourself and not looking at a phone or something, like I, I saw uh, one person put on Twitter, there was this guy in a coffee shop. He didn't have a phone. He wasn't reading a book. He was just sitting there sipping his coffee. He was like a psychopath or something, right? Like, like we get this, this weird feeling of if we're, if we're not looking at our phones and we're not important, we don't have any business to attain to. And we forget kind of like that nature thing that you were describing with enjoying God's creation, just being present, Mm -hmm. just being present where we're at and not on our phones and everywhere else when we could just be present in the moment, Mm -hmm. it definitely contributes to our anxiety. So you've talked
0: about electricity, uh, the diminishing of God in society, social media, um, and our phones and so on. Uh, what about broken
1: families, Josh? Yeah, that's that's another piece of the puzzle. Generally, broken families statistically create an environment where you're going to have more uh, anxiety. So if you're growing up as a young person, especially. Between the ages of zero and four are the most influential times in a person's life. And let's just say you don't have a father figure in the house. That's going to create a situation of instability, insecurity. You're missing that important piece that God has designed in marriage, right? To have a father and a mother modeling for you different aspects of, of how to face conflict and handle things that are are upsetting. Um, now again, uh, you might have a parent who, who passed away tragically or unfortunately, that does not mean that you're destined to a life of anxiety. Um, many cases where God has come in and listen, I faced this as a, as having cancer. Um, my biggest concern was not about me necessarily, but I care about my four kids. I care about my wife and I don't want them to grow up without a father. Um, and so that it means a lot to me, right? Um, so it could be a broken home for that reason too, but statistically, grow up without a father, grow up without a mother, that is going to play a, p- a part in uh, anxiety, and again, that is something that is much more prevalent today than has ever been in the past.
0: Yeah, our hearts break uh, to think of the total disruption in so many young children's lives and and all the damage it does josh i'm so glad that there's still hope for people in very messy situations but the fact remains that uh one cannot go through these things untouched and unfazed and so yeah that's a absolutely big uh factor i'm sure uh do you have one or two others our time is is getting close to being done but do do you just want to touch on one or two others uh, josh before maybe uh taking us to a scripture or two
1: yeah, let's do two more. First of all, um, and these will be very quick, but it goes right along with that, the cultural instability then, where I uh, think about like in the past generations, you've always had one spouse, right? Generally speaking, most people had one job and most mostly you had um, one place that you lived your entire life. That's just the way things were for a long, long period of time. And now today, there's, uh, unfortunately, there's broken homes where you're, you might have more than one spouse. Um, Many people change careers. So you have more than one job and you often move. And so there's those three things that provide stability and security. And when that cultural instability is there, um, it can can elevate anxiety. And the last thing that I would mention, and of course, this is not an all-inclusive list or exhaustive, but I found this to be true. And I actually stole this from Alistair Begg. I heard him say once that It is the great American lie that nobody dies. And I want to suggest that a big piece of our anxiety in North America and in the Western world is the removal of death from our culture. That might seem like an oxymoron considering um, COVID. It might seem very ironic. You know, think about COVID-19 and the amount of death that it's brought with it. However, um, if you think about 200 years ago, how is it that people passed away? Uh, there was no hospice. There was no, or very little hospital, and so when a loved one died, they often died in the home. And I'm going to speak very carefully and precisely and respectfully, um, and, and in a dignified way. But that was often a very tangible experience for everyone in the family to observe, and it was not always peaceful. Okay, now that's that's not good. Um, no one would say that should be encouraged or uh, you, you wouldn't look forward to that. However, understanding your mortality is a healthy part of mental health and realizing that, you know, as you know, 10 out of 10 people die and we're all going to die at some point. And, uh, you know, God calls us all at different times. There's a point unto us a specific time and uh, understanding that is a healthy thing. And what we've done in the Western world, we've created a situation where we don't experience the hardship of death. We don't realize just how ugly death is as a result of sin, wages of sin is death. But what we see in the final analysis is a very dressed up person. And again, I say this very respectfully a dressed up person um, at a funeral home and we make it look about as uh, comfortable and comfortable uh, comfortable as you can. Right. And, The reality is, is death is a very ugly thing that sin has brought into this world. Understanding that actually does bring a sense of balance to life so that when we face desperate situations, we face difficult situations, we face our own health issues that we're able to handle it much better because we understand that it's part of God's creation, um, ruined by sin, but God has a, a plan of redemption
0: we've we've gone through many factors here that you've helped us understand contribute to this problem and in psalm 26 verse 3 david says for your steadfast love is before my eyes and i don't know if if you were gonna go to a scripture or two here at the close but i found that so helpful david here in psalm 26 the same if you look at the psalm in, in its entirety he's going through scripture so that he can set god's steadfast love his kindness before his eyes and and uh, as we reach the end of this episode, uh, I would encourage our listeners to do that, to try to spend some time with God's love and his goodness to us right before our eyes.
1: No, I really appreciate that. And I think, I think uh, what I'm hearing you say also is that we have our own responsibilities, and we've talked about that a little bit in the podcast, things we can do to improve the balance of our lives, to improve our anxiety and mental health but there's also that very important foundational sense that you're describing where we have hope. We have a God who is the foundation, who's uh, has those everlasting arms that are underneath. Right. And we've got like first Peter says that hope. And we, um, we should be able to give an answer to every man for that hope that's within us. Because as Ephesians two says, they're, if they're not, if people are not saved then they're without hope, they're without, um, without God in the world. And that's a very, Uh, scary place to be and so we can offer that hope in the middle of all this anxiety surrounding us
0: awesome well thanks so much josh for taking us through that uh we've we've ended on a a little positive note here with with uh god's kindness and love to us and we want to go a whole lot more into that the next time we're with you Uh, i think you're you've called the the next one diving deeper and we want to Uh, dive deeper into uh, getting help. That's going to include some scriptural help. So we'll look forward to that happening soon. Uh, In the meantime, thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Take care.